welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Manuera. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. I think I got the wrong verse yesterday. I got this sickness. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. So you can cross that off the list now, Paul. You don't need to do, you don't need to do that one. Leave that one. That's been done. We dealt with that. <laughs> Apologies to uh, taking a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's knock off these, this verses. Well, it's, uh, it's been great to be with you. It's, it, Sue and I do just, we just like being here. So we, uh, we just do, simple as that, really. Nothing else I need to say. Feels like home, feels like family, is family. It just doesn't just feel like it. So, um, and, uh, and we've had this uh, gathering around, do you believe this? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a slightly different second message than I, I had thought I would do, because that would have been... That would have been my first message today. But for this one, I want to talk about um, endurance and the apostolic. So uh, my first message, I I ran through a bit of a context. And and then the second message, we looked at encounters because Jesus had, I believe, an encounter before he went to um, Lazarus, Uh, an encounter that follows him saying, you don't have to believe in me, just believe my works. Then he ha- goes back to the place where he's bap- he was baptized, which I believe would have reminded him of his apostolic assignment. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and which I believe we all need to be reminded of, which I, I'm going to touch on a little bit. Uh, and so we looked on, uh, I think Friday evening, we looked at, at encounters. And what I want to look at uh, today is, is endurance and the apostolic. But I want to start with something, and I may or may not have said this here before, um, but you and I are apostolic. Now, about three of you muttered to that. I actually increasingly believe that it's important that we understand this. Um, Now, if, if you were a group of leaders, I probably would have said, if you believe you're apostolic, put your hand up. And what typically happens is very few people put their hands up because they think I asked them if they're apostles. But for some reason, the word apostolic has, has got a little bit lost. Now, my justification for jumping on this is because when the sisters um, uh, heard about, you know, found out that Lazarus was sick, they sent to Jesus. And the word they're sent is apostolos which means to send with an intention, which is really what apostle means, to be sent with an intentional mission. And actually, Jesus, uh, in the great prayer that he prayed, John 17, verse 18, he said this, as the Father apostled me, so I apostle you. And I don't speak on behalf of these alone, pointing to his disciples, but to everyone who believes on account of my words, which is us. And uh, so this strange thing I think has happened in Ephesians 4.11, the only place where we see the fivefold, which you'd, you'd think there were a thousand verses on it, the number of kind of people that gather around this as being uh, such a definitive model. I, I'm not saying I disagree with it, but it just amuses me at times. Um, 
if I said to you that the pastor's job is to make you pastoral, I doubt that you would disagree with me. Uh, if I said to you the prophet's job is to make you prophetic, I doubt if you would disagree with me. If I said to you the evangelist's job is to make you evangelistic, I doubt you'd disagree with me. And if I said to you the teacher's job is to make you teacheric, which is a new word that I invented just for this message, um, you wouldn't disagree with me. But for some reason, we haven't grabbed that for the apostle. Now, I am not claiming to be an apostle, but I know that I am apostolic. And if, so then you might be going to me, well, we haven't found our apostle yet. Well, you should have done. Because Hebrews 3.1 says Jesus is the first apostle. So if you do what he did, say what he says, go where he goes, believe what he believed and think what he thinks, I want to suggest to you that you are apostolic. You are sent. And in the, the second message, I'm going to wrap up by talking about our, our prayer and our assignment, which is on earth as it is in heaven. And, uh, and that is an apostolic prayer and an apostolic assignment, and you are apostolic. You're an apostolic people. And I, I didn't tell you if you're visiting from another church that you're an apostle. Please don't go home and tell your pastor that Paul Mamoring said, I'm an apostle. I didn't. I mean, for people like Paul and I, it, it has a ring to it. The name kind of works. It's okay, you know, but... But I'm not claiming to be. It's really important. I'm not saying that about me. But I am apostolic and so are you. And one of the, one of the key characteristics, I believe, of the apostolic is endurance. And I want to paint a picture for you and, and encourage you that in this place of endurance is the birthplace of hope. And... I, can, I will prove it to you. I will demonstrate it to you from the Word of God. Uh, how do I get this from this passage? Because there is at least four days minimum when nothing's happening. We've got Lazarus is sick, the sisters Apollos for Jesus, Apostolos for Jesus. They send a message. He's still only sick at that point in time. I assume they didn't put him in the grave when he was just sick. So he's sick, and sometime while we're waiting for Jesus, he goes from sick to death to burial to four days in a tomb. And we can sanitize this message to this one chapter, which is what, 46 verses at most. Or we can realize that that's, let's say, five days, 120 hours. Now, many of us have had to endure things for longer than that. But what do you do in that season? What is God doing to you? What, what, what work is he doing in you? And, and so I just want to take that, and I'm not going to spend much time on, on the passage, but I just want you just to, to grasp what must it have felt like for Mary and Martha? Where is Jesus? Why didn't you come quicker? They know where he is because they sent to him. I mean, it wasn't an email, you know. They sent to him. They knew where he was. So they've sent a message to Jesus. They know where he is. Why haven't you come? Where are you? And I just want to look at that season. And a verse that I, I quote a lot is Hosea 2, 
14 and 15. Uh, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Talking here about Israel, but I, I believe prophetically about us. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor. And Achor um, means trouble. The word, word Achor there means trouble. So in the valley of Achor, I will give the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, the place of difficulty, I will give as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, husband, and will no longer call me Barley, master. There in the valley of trouble, he opened the doorway of hope. And I... I find that stunning, and I'm, I'm sure that, that you as individuals in your personal lives and in your, in your church family life, you've been to the Valley of Achor. You've been there. If anyone hasn't been there, you can come and lay hands on Paul and I for definite because we'd like to know how you live without ever visiting that place. And I, I had uh, an experience about uh, uh, just a little over a year ago, to be honest, when I, I, got, I got pretty personally badly hit by somebody the details don't matter and uh it it knocked me somewhat it was quite funny because I was doing a load of self-examination and uh it took me three months to actually sit down with my closest friend and say what do you think about this and he just looked at me and he says that was a demonic attack just knock it off and it's like okay I could have done with you four months ago but it'd been a lot easier I wouldn't have but um it actually took me to um a, a, a a passage of scripture which um, which has just disappeared from my iPad. And, in, and instead of that picture, I got a nice picture of an elephant that I took last year. Uh, it, it took me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 um, in the Passion Translation, which it Sue referenced uh, yesterday. Uh, I, I like the Passion Translation. Um, it's If I'm being honest, I always read it alongside another personally that's not that's not a criticism um of of the author i just i just need to um but it's beautiful and some of the language is absolutely beautiful so i've taken a little bit of a personal slapping shall we let's just put it that way and i'm just kind of working through some things actually god told me in that season that i was to watch rocky i'd never watched them before don't judge me for that it took me a while um I've watched Creed 1 and Creed 2 now as well, just to complete the, the set. And he told me to watch, watch Rocky. He told me to watch Rocky, and I land on this passage, which is, uh, is scribbled on. And uh, I think it's, it's how a lot of people find themselves. So uh, I'll, I'll jump in a couple of places. The, the first verse of 2 Corinthians 4.1, I love this. Now, it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry. I love that. I just like that language. And we will not quit or faint with weariness. That's a great declaration. And then uh, verse 7, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. That's That's a good reminder. Though we experience every kind of pressure... 
we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do. Anyone been there? Yeah. But quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. I I paraphrase that passage. I'm down, but not out, but quitting's not an option. That's my sort of paraphrase. I, I'm, I'm a, I paraphrase paraphrases of the Bible. I'm going to get it down to a couple of pages. I think it'll be good. Like Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. I've just got, he wastes nothing. He gets you ready. Let's just get cut to the core. This is, I'm down but not out. Quitting's not an option. And um, one, of, one of the things that, uh, that I learned as I watched Rocky and I, and I read this is, life is not about how hard of a hit you can give. It's how many you can take and keep moving forward. That is from Mr. Bill Bowell himself. And uh, so I want to suggest to you that there is something about this, this knowing that I live, I'm down but not out, but quitting's not an option. And it's, it's a characteristic of the apostolic. The apostolic, they, are, they're, they pioneer. They're, they're breaking new ground. They're, they're going to places that others won't go. They're actually sending people places that others haven't been sent before. And, and wrapped up in that is that, that sense of you need to learn how to endure. And I'm going to show you another passage. I, I've been reading, I don't know whether I'm the only one, I've been fascinated by it, to be honest, this whole, the traffic jam at Everest. Has anyone else looked at this? It's, fa- it's, it's quite fascinating to me. And um, they're a bunch of cheats, these climbers, because the Sherpas, they put all the ropes out for them. Those guys, those guys that are climbing now, very different to the first ones that went up there. Very different. And it's now this kind of bizarre thing that you pay money and climb up there and I can't believe that they haven't worked out that this isn't a good time to go up there if you've got to wait 15 hours to be able to turn around and, you know like if I'm going to do it I want a picture up there just me you know I don't want a crowd around me you know um, but but the first ones that climbed Everest they were the apostolic ones you know now I'm not saying it's easy to climb it today don't get me wrong but it's just funny when you read about it the Sherpas do all the hard work they lay the ropes. They get the oxygen ready for them. They're doing all that kind of stuff. So there's a tendency for people to actually think it's relatively easy, those that are doing it, although I do think it's crazy that you have to apply to run the London Marathon, the Boston Marathon, and take part in, a, uh, in an Ironman, but you don't have to pass a test to climb Everest. Whatever. Just, I, it, I'm just fascinated. What's my point? My point is that... that there is a relationship between the pioneering apostolic and endurance and, and going places where no one else has gone before. Now, um, let me take you to uh, one, a passage that's always fascinated me. Now, I understand that in the order of things, 2 Corinthians was written before Romans. Although Romans is in order, it's before 
Corinthians, but in the order of writing, my understanding is it's, it's not. So what do we have? We have the Apostle Paul who says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane in, in brackets, intriguing comment there. I more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. That was probably the scariest one. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God, and not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations. I have a feeling he'd learned how to do that. He'd learned how to do what he wrote about. He didn't write Romans studying a thesis in a college. He wrote Romans because he lived it. He lived it in 2 Corinthians as he, as he summarized it. And my, my main message to you today is that the place of tribulation is the birthplace of hope. Because it's what he says, knowing not only this, we exhort in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. We're going to have a look at that word. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. What a statement. But you can't write that statement unless you've lived it. You can't. You can't write that before the event. You write that because that's your life's experience. Your life's experience is that hope does not disappoint. Uh, verse in, uh, in Proverbs says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I think a misunderstood verse often. And uh, the reason it's misunderstood, I think, is because we've, we've interpreted it that if we don't get what we hope for, we'll get sick. I don't believe that's what it means. I believe it means if we stop hoping, we'll get sick. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that we stop hoping that makes us sick. And uh, there are, there's a lot of, of research around and work done in, in medicine as well uh, about where, where patients have hope versus those that don't have hope. And a dramatic difference just with that. I want to suggest that the Apostle Paul learned that lesson when he was two nights in the deep, when he was shipwrecked, when he was being flogged, when he was hungry, when he was in prison, he learned it. And we read about it, don't we? We read about him imprisoned and singing songs in the middle of the night. He learned how to do this. 
He learned how to rejoice in his tribulations. And one of the, the great songs at the moment that, that many of us are, are singing on the Bethel Music's new Victory album is Raise a Hallelujah. Raise a Hallelujah was birthed in tribulation. It, that's where it was birthed in a hospital room praying for a kid that was dying. It was birthed there and it's become a, a phrase. It's become a language. You, you have that sense of there's a lesson that we're being taught through worship. But the Apostle Paul learned this a long time before Bethel Music released that album. So let's have a look, quick look at a couple of things here. Uh, therefore, having been justified by faith. Uh, I, I like this phrase. Um, Justified is an interesting word. It, it's actually an old engineering term, as I understand it. Um, that's, that's where it originates from. Um, anyone who's currently using a computer or an iPad to take notes right now, you're currently justifying your text. Um, so we've reinvented a word that was lost in the engineering world, and we've reinvented it. And, and it, it means to be lined up with the original standard. That's what justified means. So the engineering term was you justified something by lining up what you were making with the original standard. You're lining up your text with the edge of the page. You know, the normal people, it's left justified. The creatives, you're center justifying it because you like the poetry and the symmetry of your page, you know. Bit of humor, that's all. But you're, what you're doing is you are justifying it with the original standard. So we, we have been justified by faith with the original standard. In fact, I, you know, a lot of, lot of us have, have, maybe you guys haven't because you've been kingdom faith for longer. Than, but I, I grew up in a church where, you know, righteousness was a set of rules to live by and justification was what happened to me when I broke the rules. But that's not right. Actually, righteousness is an invitation to be like God. And justice is everything you need to accept the invitation because justice justifies you and lines you up with the original standard. So Paul is saying we have been lined up with the original relational standard of heaven by faith. And we've through faith been introduced into this grace, this life of grace, of getting what we don't deserve and we've, we are introduced to that and we stand in that place and in that place we exalt, we worship, we praise, we lift up the name of God. That's what we've learned how to do. That's this path. And not only this, we exalt in our tribulations. And I know you've had tough stuff in this house, but your worship hasn't stopped. Your exalting, your praise, lifting up the name of Jesus hasn't stopped. In fact, it's probably gone up a notch knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Now, perseverance, Paul knows a million Greek and Hebrew words. I know about 10. I just repeat them a lot, so it sounds like I know more, and I got them all from my iPad. But this word, perseverance, is probably my favorite. It's hupomone. Who knows if I pronounce that right? I have no idea. I can spell it H-U-P-O-M-O-N-E. Hupomone. And... It is a stunning word. And it, again, it's like the limitation of the English language. It's like we read perseverance. It doesn't tell me what the Greeks meant by perseverance. Their definition is that it is the character of a man or woman who is unswerved from their deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith 
and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. That's a lot more than perseverance sounds like, doesn't it? You know? And that's why I, I see this as so connected to the apostolic because the purpose in life is an apostolic purpose. Our assignment is on earth as it is in heaven, to bring heaven to earth. That's our assignment. That's our deliberate purpose. So no amount of trials, sufferings, difficulties, tribulations should get in the way of that. So Hupomone becomes this incredible character of a man or woman who is unswerved from their deliberate purpose in life, which should tell you I need to know what my deliberate purpose in life is because the two go hand in hand. And so we see here this incredible and perseverance, proven character, proven character. And, you know, really when we look at Mary and Martha in the story, it's fascinating, isn't it, how those two names ring out of the Bible. There is this proven character of Mary and Martha in, in their recognition of Jesus, in their love for Jesus, in their faith in Jesus, in their adoration of Jesus. It's proven. How much of it was proven in the five days? Was that where that was birthed? And I... Strangely, one of the things I've done in life is I was a hostage negotiator trainer. Strange thing to have done, I know, but I worked in prison. And uh, one of the things that we would always want to know is what is, the phrase we used, how psychologically robust is the victim? And one of the measures of whether you're psychologically robust or not is have you been through a previous trial in your life? There's actually one of the questions that we would be trying to find out. It would be like, okay, there's a victim. What have they been through in their life? Because if they've been through stuff, they're going to be tougher. Forget Christianity. This wasn't about Christianity. This was just if they've been through something and come out the other side, there's a toughness. That's that thing here, this proven character. And that produces hope. It says hope does not disappoint. Isn't that extraordinary? It, it almost feels like it's a scary thing to declare. Hope that does not disappoint. I believe that one of the greatest enemies of what I'm going to call the supernatural pastor is the fear of false hope. When, you, when we start shifting, and you very much have been here for a long, long time, but many churches are, are shifting from, um, you know, into a more supernatural emphasis, shifting to a more apostolic worldview. And, and when that shift happens, I've, I often notice the pastors are struggling with some of that. The ones that are looking after their congregation, that are going through tough stuff, are going through pain. And to throw out this word, hope does not disappoint, that, that sounds risky, but it's absolutely the truth. And the fear of false hope is really a lie that comes from the enemy. It's a lie. Because the God of all hope, he's the God of all hope. He didn't lose some, leave some fake hope behind for someone else to play around with. He's the God of all hope. And the hope that is birthed out of faith 
out of being lined up with the original standard, out of standing, as I like to say, in a bucket full of grace, and in that bucket full of grace, worshipping God, and in that place, allowing our tough stuff to grow in us a perseverance, and that that perseverance creates in us a proven character, and that that proven character releases hope. I want to tell you that this place is a hope factory. This building is a hope factory. It's what it is. And the people here that are leading this congregation are leading it to be a beacon of hope in a city and in a time that needs hope more than it ever has needed before. And that's what we see with the Mary Martha story. Like I, I think Paul said, you know, everybody knows Lazarus. I mean, everyone basically knows, you know, David and Goliath, Daniel and the lions, you know, Lazarus. I mean, everybody knows these stories. The prodigal son, they're, they're, they're part of our culture. See, Mary and Martha, in those days, I want to suggest to you that in those days they persevered. Because, you know, when they, they went out to see Jesus. They didn't abandon him. It's like, well, he didn't come. They went out to him. There was still something they were holding on to. They still knew he was the one. Even, even after going through five days, he's sick. We'll have a funeral. We put him in the grave. It's four days in the grave. No, Jesus is coming. Get out there. Go see Jesus. He's still the answer. And hope does not disappoint. And hope did not disappoint them. And I, I really do believe that what the Apostle Paul showed us of his ability to live through all of those tests and trials and suffering and to never quit, to never give up. You might be down, but you're not out, and quitting's not an option. I had a, a slightly strange related experience to uh, at around about the same time that I was sort of just sorting myself out and... Uh, I went to a friend of mine who's an artist, and he's, uh, he's a very talented, very gifted artist. Funny story, the details, I won't go into too much of it, but he, he actually has a degree in fine art, so he's good. And then his wife gave him a leather jacket for Christmas, a really good quality leather jacket. And uh, they went to the mother-in-law's house for Boxing Day, and the mother-in-law's cat scratched him, and he got blood on his leather jacket, quite a lot of blood on his beautiful leather jacket. And he... I mean, it's kind of ruined, but he, he got a knife and he started scraping it to see what he could do with it. And he, he discovered that it was a great way of drawing on leather. And so he draws on leather, and that's what he does. He gets ridiculous-sized pieces of leather, goes to Italy, and he does stuff that you would not believe was possible to be done. So he does animals. Like, and I'd, I'd met him in America. I'd never seen his stuff. He was on BBC News, so he, he's... He's got a little bit of notoriety. He's done some art for some pretty famous people, um, sort of um, custom stuff for people. And I, was, I finally got to go to his studio. I was looking forward to going to his studio. And uh, so I got to go to his studio around about this same time. And I'm looking forward to seeing the elephants and the big cats that he does. They're stunning, seriously stunning. His name's Mark Evans. You can look him up if you want to. Absolutely seriously stunning. I walk into his studio and there's no animals. <laughs> there are eight panels that aren't even leather, they were actually vellum, which is, he's, he's a little bit crazy as well, because what he wanted to do was produce art on the oldest form of material that you can draw on known to man. He's one of those kind of guys, you know. 
So there's these massive panels, and every one of these panels is a boxer, not a dog, a boxer that hits people with fists. He went to an underground boxing fight, took photographs, printed the photographs on these panels, and he's turning them into artwork. I'm like, where's the animals, Mark? I came here to see the elephants and the tigers and the lions. He said, oh, no, I'm, I'm on this project. And then he shows me, the, um, he's got this panel as the, basically the sign to advertise his project, and it's called, I'm down but not out. I'm like, that's pretty funny, God. I was looking for some animals. And uh, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what, what your personal circumstances are. But, but I believe the Lord wants you to know that wherever you are today, maybe you're in the middle of the five days, where's Jesus? I want you to know that you are sitting in the hope factory. It's the birthplace of hope. And he is the God of all hope. And hope does not disappoint. And maybe, you've, maybe you've quit hoping. And today's the day that you need to put your hope back on. You just need to put it back on. See, it's not that we don't get what we hope for that makes us sick. It's that we stop hoping. And we don't hope without good reason. Because our hope is in him. And I listened to Sue speaking yesterday, and I, and I know that her life's journey has put a proven character in her. That when she says for 18 months we walked our friends, she means for 18 months we walked our friends, day in, day out, text, phone call, encouragement. Not one message came to her from our two spiritual kids that was not replied to without hope. You can do this. He's God. He's going to get you through. It's going to be okay. Where did she birth that? She birthed that in her story. She birthed that in her journey. And, and once we start to see that, we start to realize that we are the people that this world needs. They don't need flaky Christianity. They need the Christianity that's been through the fire. That's what they need. It's what the world needs. And you're birthing it in this place. And you might feel... I'm a bit beaten up. I've been slapped around a few times. But I have this to say to you. You might be down, but you're not out. And quitting's not an option. It's not an option. It might feel like you're just hanging on by your fingernails. That's okay. Just keep hanging on by your fingernails. But know this, that you are in the birthplace of hope. You're a hope factory. And it's apostolic. It's getting you ready for the great assignment the great assignment that this world needs. Get the right passage. When I was uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer, my uh, uh, Sue's um, aunt sent me a, a passage. I've lost it, actually. I've got the wrong one. I thought I'd got the right one. No, I've got it now. She sent me a, a passage. It's funny, you know, when you go through stuff... Um, Sometimes people send you, you know, you get, you get all the classic verses, you know, you get those classic verses. And, and to be honest, I'm not the sort of person that always looks them up. You know, if you put a verse on a card to me, I probably won't look it up. I'm just being honest. Anyone else like that? You know, it's just like, you know. But she sent me this one. And, 
I looked it up straight away. And uh, Isaiah chapter 43. But now thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. And then this first line, this stunning line, I have called you by name, you are mine. I've called you by name, you are mine. That's actually a reference back to the Passover. Because in the Passover, there are four stages of the Passover. I, I will rescue you, I will save you, I will redeem you, I will take you as my own. They're the four cups of the Passover. We, we did that last time I was here. We drank a big cup. I've called you by name. That is all you need to know. I've called you by name. I paraphrase it. Paraphrase this. I seem to do that a lot, don't I? There is a river, water and fire. You will go through it. It will be hot, wet, turbulent. But he will be with you. That's what that passage is all about. You might come out stinking of smoke, soaking wet and windswept. But he's going to be with you. Because the river will not overwhelm you. For I am the Lord your God, says the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I've given Egypt as your ransom. And it's the promise. These are the promises of God. And I, they meant a lot to me during that season. I've called you by name. It's hot, it's wet, it's stormy, but I've called you by name. I will be with you. And I just want to minister for the last few minutes in a couple of these directions. You know, life throws real stuff at us. It really does. But the real key is not what happens to us. It's how we view what happens to us. That's the real key. It really, it really isn't about the stuff that happens. It's, it's about how we view life, the lens that we use. And the lenses that I've shared with you today are the lenses of apostolic people learn to endure. We learn perseverance. We learn hupomone, the character of a man or woman unswerved from their deliberate purpose in life by even the greatest trials and sufferings. That's hupomone. It's actually a word that appears in loads of places. You can do a study of it. It's quite fascinating. You suddenly start to realize that there are words that are in the Bible that are so limited in our English that we need, we need to go back to some of those originals. So if you're going through some stuff right now, I just want to pray for you. I want, I want to pray that you will know that in this place, you are a hope factory. You are producing hope right where you are. And you might not feel like that. You might feel like you're down. You've taken a few hits. Well, the issue isn't how hard you can hit. It's how many hits you can take and keep moving forward. To keep pressing on. Look at what the Apostle Paul did. He kept moving forward. I always joke with the Apostle Paul. I think he would have got to America if he'd lived long enough. Because he was definitely traveling west. I mean, he, was, he, he didn't quit. He just kept moving forward. And so if that's you, I just want to invite you. If you're going through some stuff, I just want to pray. The spirit of Hupomone would, would be released onto you. Because I believe it's legal to pray for that. Just stand if that's you. Holy Spirit, would you come? And release hupomone on your people. 
release that kind of no-quitting hupomone, the character of a man or woman unswerved, unswerved. They got their GPS set and nothing is going to take them off course. Release that right now, I pray. Release that. And I pray right now that they would know prophetically from their life, hope is being released. From their life, people are watching them and they are seeing hope released, hope birthed, hope given away, hope that does not disappoint. Holy Spirit, would you come and drop bucket loads of hupomone and teach us, everyone, how to continue to rejoice, to exalt, to worship, to praise, to lift up the name of Jesus in the tough stuff, in the tough stuff. Release Hupamone in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I believe there are some others. You're pastors. Now, that doesn't mean you have the job title. It just means that you care for people. You, you heard the pastor's message and you realize I'm pastoral. And you're around people who need hope. But you've struggled with giving hope. You've got the kind of nagging doubt. What, what if he doesn't show up? What if he doesn't answer the prayer exactly the way that they've been praying for it? And you're kind of afraid of that false hope thing. There is no such thing as false hope. And even Dante wrote in his trilogy, didn't he? Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. That's because there's no hope in hell. Which means there's no fake hope. But you're afraid a little bit. Here's what I know is I've prayed for a lot of people. I've prayed for people who haven't got the answer to the prayer that they hoped for and that I hoped for with them. But they've never written to me and complained. Their families have never complained. Never. Because when you inject hope into people's lives, it doesn't disappoint. So if, if that's you, if you're ministering in that sort of an area, maybe you've got friends. Maybe I mean, you, you might be a pastor, that's fine. You might do it for a living, that's fine. But you've got people around you and you just need a bit more courage to go in with the hope of heaven, I just want you to stand. I believe there's an equipping spirit being released. Some of you, some of you are going uh, to go from here and you're, there's going to be an equipping spirit that goes along with this. You, you, may, you may get a, a, a clearer focus on how you minister in the coming weeks and months, an increase of, uh, of, of power and an increase of authority but the interesting thing is that I think, I believe that authority comes out of you believing your life story. And the more you believe that God has done a work of grace in your life and of faith in your life and that you have something to give away, the more powerful, the more authority you have as you minister. But I believe some of you, there's an equipping being released, an equipping to pastor supernaturally. So I pray for courage to be released right now. Courage to bring hope. Hope on the streets. Hope in people's homes. Hope in families. Hope in lives that are being ravaged by sickness, by difficulties, by challenges. Holy Spirit, give courage to be the releases of hope that does not disappoint, I pray. Courage, courage, courage. 
I cancel the nagging doubts in people. I cancel the nagging doubts. Take authority over nagging doubts. That you would give a confidence and a boldness to stand in front of impossible situations by faith and speak the words of faith. To even speak the words that are in John 11, this sickness is not unto death, but that the Son of God may be glorified. That the fear of false hope, the fear of raising expectations, that that fear will be cancelled and that a boldness will be released and that we will not hold back in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's just all stand and I'm going to assume that although you might be visiting, you love this place. So if you love this place, it's home. I do believe that there is something about this house becoming even more, because it already is. I'm not telling you something you're not already, but a, a greater beacon of hope than it's ever been before. Yeah. So, Father, would you truly, truly establish, like change the light bulb to a, to a more powerful light bulb in this house change the light bulb we're done with 100 watt we're going to go up we want something brighter something clearer something stronger something that goes further something that penetrates darkness something that cancels fear father i pray for an upgrade in this house i pray for an upgrade of hope an upgrade of hope and that people will walk in here for a cup of coffee and they'll say, what's that thing in here? What is it? Why do I feel hopeful in this room? Why is that? Father, may that be true on the streets for everyone ministering. Father, I pray for an upgrade in this beacon of hope, an upgrade. And I thank you for this family. I thank you for the leaders, I thank you for what they've built. I thank you for that, this beacon of hope that is already built. But Father, I'm praying that there would be such an upgrade that it would be unavoidable in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.